a fabringen in yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering but it's really so much more it's insight it's inspiration it's the bottom line join rabbi levi afton tuesdays at 1 pm for the fabringen only on 101.9 high fm This is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and we are on the Chai FM show, the Fabringen, every Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m. And what we try to do in the show is Fabring. That means have a conversation. Usually it's a one-way conversation, but I try to keep a conversational style about things going on in our world, um, perspectives, and trying to find some inspiration with what's going on around us. And some clarity. And for bringing is just this long, the way I see it, it's, it's, it's one long conversation with oneself that continues through life. And each week, based on the circumstances, based on the events of our life that we live through, based on what's going on in our lives, we hopefully start developing some, a bit of clarity, a bit of insight. You know, when I was younger, I thought that you reach a day when you just achieve wisdom. And yes, there's always more knowledge to learn, but you achieve a certain level and now you've figured it out. But the truth is, every day we're in this world, we're still learning and we've never figured it out. We learn a thing or two. And there's no question in my mind that there's not a single person on the planet, no matter how old, mature, sophisticated level of IQ they had, that did not learn something in the last 10 months about themselves and about the world. It just that That's what circumstance does. And that's the journey of life. The journey of life is literally being in a classroom. You know, people often talk about the educational system and as the year's wrapping up and schools are coming to an end, the conversation always starts at this time of the holidays. Are the schools catering for our kids for the 21st century? Are they giving the kids the skills they need? We've spoken about that in the past. That's not my conversation for today. Although, feel free to share your thoughts, 34519. For me, the, 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 the thought that comes to my mind today is one of the challenges of classrooms is that it tells us that certain things happen in the classroom and certain things happen outside the classroom. So, for example, learning. How many people in their adult life learn every day? Not only through experience, but actually studying and upgrading their knowledge. Often they're academics, often you might find them in, in universities, but the average person, they got their degree, they, they matriculated, they got their degree from university, and now their education is done. Now they're ready to tackle the world, as every speaker says at, you know, when they speak to their graduating class, go change the world, the world has been waiting for your inspiration. Lovely. and. Learning is done, because somehow learning became associated with the classroom. As so much area, the idea of, of having an open mind belongs in the classroom. And it's, it's, it's a problem. It's not a problem that it belongs in the classroom. The problem is that we, we don't realize that the only reason we go to class in our younger years is that we, we dedicate our full time to studying, but later to years we dedicate a big part of our time to studying, and that's part of the beauty, you know, people often say that Jewish people are the people of the book, and they often think that means that Jews have degrees. 
which is okay. I mean, it's a relatively recent phenomenon that Jews have degrees. 200 years ago, no Jews had degrees. But what, Jew the, what, what people of the book always meant is that we don't stop studying. In the morning, you sit down and learn Torah. In the evening, you sit down and learn Torah. You have Perikah HaChachras, Perikah HaDarvis. Studying in the morning, studying in the evening. Even if it's not a full-time study or if it's a person who has a job, they never stop studying because learning was never supposed to be in the classroom. On the contrary, anyone who's continued learning after school can be the first to say that true learning only happens once you mature. In other words, when you're a student, you're just getting the foundations of learning. You're getting the ABCs, then you're getting the basic vocabulary and understanding the, the underlying concepts. Interesting, I, I saw a beautiful thought um, from the Kajnitz Magid. He was a sage in the 19th century, late 17th, late 18th, early 19th century. And it's a totally unrelated topic, but at some stage he, he, he discusses why is it that when young children study, you seem to see the progress moving so quickly. They are growing from day to day. They are going from A to B to C, from Aleph to base to Gimel, from one section, from one Torah portion to the next. And yet, at a later stage in life, you don't see that quantifiable difference. Okay, what did you do in your, your learning today? I learned another you know, page of Talmud. I learned a, little, a few more laws. So he says, it's our mistake to think that the child is, is, is growing day by day more than the adult who's learning. No, the child maybe is getting foundations. But the adult, with their maturity and the foundations they have, the, the upgrade they're getting each time they sit and open a book is an entirely different level. The quality of the learning and the quality of what it's doing to their mind is a whole different upgrade. And this is in no way putting down children. But childhood is very much about getting the foundations of life. But the funny thing is that we see childhood as getting the foundation of finances in life. Now, in finances, very often later in life, you don't have to learn too much. Once you figure it out, you know, you found your right business model, yeah, you keep on learning and you have a few courses, but ultimately you don't have to sit there opening up a book and learning every day for two hours. But Torah is not seen that way. We're not raising people who will hit a certain level and then stop learning. On the contrary, we spend all those years, in the, the younger years, teaching our children to have a foundation that later on they could learn. And I have to say personally, from my experience, I've enjoyed the learning in my 30s much more than I enjoyed the learning in my 20s, much more than I enjoyed my learning in the teens. Because now, based on life experience and just based on natural maturity that happens, the learning is digested in a different way and, I, and, and much more appreciated for the value it's adding to my life. So when we confine things simply to school, when we say that you know certain things just belong in school, the classroom belongs in school, but once you've done school, there's nothing left to learn, that's, that, that's unfortunate. Learning is the only way we make sure that we're truly with it, that our minds are sharp, not sharp physically as much sharp from a moral perspective. That, that we're on the ball, that we know where we're going. I've said this before, and I, I, I believe it, that you know, when you read the, the studies that only one in four people in the United States, I think one in four people in the United States does not even read one book a year, and we're talking about even fiction. And I don't think this, the numbers are very different over here. That's unfortunate, and I believe part of the fault is that narrative that says you go to school to get a matric, to go to university to make a living. Knowledge is a way to make a living. 
But that is so fundamentally wrong. Yes, you make a living through knowledge, but that's not why you gain knowledge. You gain knowledge because that's the greatest of human pursuit, to use your mind. To not just be, you know, at the level of an animal where we have emotions. Animals have emotions, you, we have emotions. But to truly challenge our intellect, to grow, to see the world through new eyes, to not, not make decisions simply based on emotional moment and illogic, but to use the gift that God gave us, the gift of the seichel, the gift of the mind, and to upgrade it. And when knowledge is simply used as a mechanism to make a living, what a waste. No wonder that the the, uh, the average person after that never opens a book again, because I'm making a living. That's all I went to university for, to make a living. Really? Making a living is a byproduct. It's definitely not the goal. It's a necessity in life. But we don't come into this world to make a living. We come into this world to grow. Part of the way to grow is to make a living. Just like you need your health. But you don't come into this world to be healthy. You're healthy so that you could do your mission in this world. But when the means and the ends get confused, which unfortunately we often do, that's when our, our sense of purpose misaligns. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Linksfield Shul, and you were just listening to Hanan Ben Ari, Ma'atarot Semimani, just a magnificent song. Love is music. Um, and before the break, we were talking about this concept of we often forget what's a means, what's an end. For example, Exercise. Exercise is a means to stay healthy. And healthy is a means to be able to live a productive life. In other words, yes, people who are not healthy can live a productive life, but there's no question that the, the healthier we feel mentally, physically, then the, the more productive we could be and the more impactful we could be in the role that we're playing. And that's why we ask for health. But ultimately, health is not, you know, everything. So often people will say, Rabbi, if you have health, you have everything. No, you don't. If you have health, you have a good foundation to start getting life in order, but you don't have everything. I've seen many healthy people just lost. Uh, you know, I can think of myself at certain times in my life that I was physically healthy, maybe even mentally healthy, but totally lost. So if you have health, you don't have everything. You have a big gift, thank God. If you have family, you don't have everything. You have a big gift. But ultimately, everything we do over here is for one calling, and that is to, to do the purpose that Hashem put us in this world, that God put us in this world. That's what we're here. As as people of faith, our mandate is one. I was put into this world and I was created to do the service of my Creator, to do my purpose, to make this world a more spiritual place through the actions, through the thoughts, through the words that I have. And everything fits into that goal. And yes, in order to do that, I have to be alive. In order to be alive, I need to watch my health. In order to be alive and, you know, to, to be healthy, I have to earn a living. In order to do that, I have to, you know, some of us might need to get degrees. Other of us will take other kind of careers. But the point is, what's a means? What's an end? And if my goal in this world is to be united with God, then Torah study, for example, is not a means. It's an end on itself. In other words, that's part of the thing. That's, that's where I engage where I use my mind to connect with Hashem, when I, when I use my body to do a mitzvah, all that is intentful and purposeful. If we don't know the core goal of where everything is focused on, we often confuse means and ends. 
And that's what we discussed earlier, when suddenly study becomes a means to earn a living, which is an end. But that's ridiculous. Something as powerful as intellect is a way to earn a living so that you could go have money to eat food. Yes, you need food, and you need to have a nice couch, and maybe even need a nice car. But those are all facilitators of the ability to then do your role. And part of your role in this world is to grow your knowledge, to fill your mind with God's wisdom. So how does wisdom become a way to fill your pockets? Filling your pockets is a way to achieve wisdom. And the moment we have enough money for that, then what do we do? We sit down and learn. And we sit down and and add light to this world and make the impact we need. Because ultimately, why am I doing it? It's the same reason that we often overwork at the expense of our children. And the kid will ask you or your spouse will ask you, so why are you working so hard? I'm doing it for the family. Really? Because if you were doing it for the family, maybe the family doesn't need this much money and needs your attention more. Or maybe needs you to look for a different career, which doesn't compromise the family as much. Because if really the goal was family in that specific scenario, then decisions would be aligned with that value. When our decisions are not congruent with our with what we claim our values are, that means we're not clear in our values and they're not front and center. Because if you have your values front and center, you know why you're doing what you're doing. And anything that fits it, great. Anything that doesn't fit it, not great. Not because it's bad, it just doesn't fit the role that I have in this world. And each one of us, the the more clarity we have in what we're here to do, the easier it is to know what to spend our time in, the easier it is to know where to dedicate ourselves to. But often we start from the backwards. What do I want to do in life? Or, you know, like, what's the best way to make money? Okay, go become an accountant. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe not. Ultimately, maybe the best way to... If, if my goal is not necessarily to make money, my goal is to live a productive life, and part of it is to make money, then I ask myself, okay, what's the best way for me to live the life that I'm supposed to live? Part of that is money. What's the kind of job that will allow me to have the money and to even have the impact, because I don't see work as a simply a way to make money. Um, even work itself, money should be a byproduct of the work we do because our work that we do should be meaningful. Even if it's secular work, even if it's not necessarily you know, dedicating yourself to a, um, a non-for-profit, even if it's a, it's a corporate job, there could still be deep meaning of enriching people's lives. And again, then the money you're earning is a wonderful byproduct. It's something necessary. But what is the goal? What's the intention What am I here to do? Like I often, you know, I taught in high school before, I often talk to students, and you ask people, what's your dream of life? And the dream often will sound something like this. They come from, you know, solid homes, etc. The dream will sound like this. I want to make a good living. I want to have a good relationship. I want to raise a good family. And then I want to retire with dignity. Now, those are all beautiful stuff, but that really isn't original. (laughs) In other words... God didn't put almost 8 billion of us in this world simply to do that. That Yes, we do do that, but that's not the goal. Hopefully the goal, we do build nice families, and hopefully we do become nice parents, and hopefully we do build decent careers, and hopefully we have all those things, but that's not what our dream is. Our dream is not to be 65, retired, and sitting with our feet up in Tahiti. That's not a dream. It's a nice thing, but that's not the goal. 
Well, yeah, you're 65. You want to go to Tahiti and you can afford it. Zagazunt, you know, do it with all the health and with all the blessing. But how does that become the end? How does that become a goal? Or to accumulate X amount of money in, the, in my bank account? Yes, it's nice to have money in the bank account. It's important to have savings. It's important to be responsible. And even according to Jewish law, it's nice to leave over some, some money to the kids, etc. Not that you have to leave billions. They, they could still make a life for themselves. But yeah, it's nice. But that's not, a, that's not the ultimate goal. It's part of the bigger picture. And that is, what am I here to do? God, what am I here to do? You know, we've spoken a, a bit over the past few weeks over the passing of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, uh, an incredible figure and seriously a person who his unique talents was second to none in our generation. And one time he was asked, if he was able to ask God one question, what would it be? And his answer was, I would ask him, what do you want of me now? In other words, not like a complaint, but rather, what's my call? What are you asking of me? In other words, a person of faith, believing that there's a God, is not just saying, you know, I believe a God, so if there's coronavirus, it must come from God. In other words, whatever happens in my life must come from God, but ultimately, I'm still, you know, on my own journey, and God just throws, you know, balls at me, and he uh, throws a punch or a hug at me, but ultimately, I'm on my own journey. No, I'm here to do the calling. Hashem, you gave me the neshama, you gave me the soul this morning, you gave me back my life when I woke up this morning. For what? Why do you need me? What am I here to do for you? There's big debates within the Jewish philosophy about the role of the human being in this world, why we're here. And one of the strong arguments that's presented is that we're here to get a place in the world to come. In other words, God wants to be good and God wants to be kind. And he gives us the ability to struggle in this world because then we earn a reward. And God wants it's the nature of goodness to, to be good. And God is ultimate goodness. And therefore, sometimes we struggle because that's the way we achieve good. And there's no question that that is authentic Jewish philosophy. And yet, it cannot be the, the final answer for many reasons. But for the fundamental reason, because it puts the human being at the center of the universe. In other words, God is in the service of me. And I've shared this idea before, and, and it often gets people's back up. What do you mean? What are you trying to say? But let's think about it from a purely intellectual perspective, not emotional. If the whole point of all our struggles and everything we go through is simply for us to get a portion in the world to come, or for us to even get a portion in this world, to get rewarded, but that everything we go through is for my reward, in other words, who's serving who? Am I serving God or is God serving me? Because that philosophy, at its core, although it might be very virtuous because it allows us to take pain with grace, what it's saying is, God is in my service. Ultimately, the be-all and end-all is how much reward I will get. So God is servicing me. And at, at the extreme, that could lead to a very selfish approach. In other words, it's all about me. But that's not why we're here in this world. Yes, it is a byproduct that we get rewards for what we do. It's a fundamental of Jewish faith. It's one of the 13 principles that Maimonides 
enumerates as the foundations of our faith, Yud Gimeli Kari Emunah. But that's not the, the deal. The end all is we're here to serve as God. And yes, as we do it, we get rewarded and we get blessings and please God in this world and in the world to come. But that's not why I do it. The why is because Hashem put me in this world to, to do His calling, to make this world a home for Him. To make this world, this physical, mundane world that tends to be covering over godliness, a world where God is concealed, to reveal godliness, to fight the, the energy in this world that tries to conceal godliness and to, to make this world beautiful. How do we do that? We do that through the mitzvahs, we do through the Torah, we study through the families we raise, through the ethics and business. All that we do brings light into this world. But again, what is the goal? Because who's at the center of the, of my universe? Not my as in lady, as of our universe. Something bigger than ourselves, not how many couches we'll have in heaven, or you know how big our portion in heaven to be. Please God, it will be awesome. But that's why we do what we do, for us to get something, to serve ourselves. That can't be the whole answer, friends. It's for something so much bigger. It's Hashem, how can I do your work? They have the famous. Um, it was a kind of joke, but it's it, it has a strong point about the fellow who comes to. Uh, Get, comes up to the world to come and they judge him that he wasn't perfect and he has to now go through a small challenging time in the place that's not heaven. Judaism doesn't believe in this idea of hell as an eternal damnation but we do believe in this process of a cleansing so this guy has to go through a cleansing and he starts screaming out to his rabbi, to his mentor and he says, Rabbi, come and the rabbi looks at him comes comes over, all the way to you know visit him in hell and looks at him and says, what do you think you're here for? Just to burn? You're here to do something. Say, so here, here's my blessing, and go go continue doing your work. What's the point? The point is that, yes, for the, that person might want to be in heaven, but sometimes that's not what... That's not what the, the be-all and end-all of the universe is. It's a fa- famous... Um, not so famous, but there's a, a, a very powerful episode... During the 20s and 30s in uh, Soviet Russia, the Soviets, and unfortunately a lot of them were Jews, were on a full-on rampage against Judaism to destroy Judaism. And at that time, being a proud, open, religious Jew was literally putting yourself in death, how much uh, in death's eye, especially if you were teaching others. And at that time, the sixth Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Lubavitch, he, would, he, he actually made a covenant with nine people in the room, and he had ten, and he said, we're going to dedicate ourselves to the last breath to do this role. And, you know, maybe maybe it's no mitzvah to, for these people to put their life on the line to, to teach another kid Aleph Beis. Maybe, you know, according to Jewish law, you're only allowed to kill yourself if someone forces you idolatry, adultery, or murder. But these people understood that something's bigger at stake, and most of the people who, who made that covenant did not survive, were shot by the communists. I have um, many relatives, including my mother's uncles and others, who who died for simply... My grandfather was arrested and sat in prison for years for one specific reason, because he taught, other, he taught Judaism to students, because he didn't ask about, you know, what's going to bring me the biggest reward. I promise you, if you would walk over to my grandfather, I, I knew him, he only passed away... 
20 years ago, his, his, uh, 19 years ago, his York site was last week. It's a character. His name was Mayor Aftsen. I named my second son after him. And if you would ask him seriously, so why did you get arrested by the Soviets? Was it because you wanted to get a portion in heaven? He would look at you and say, what? And my grandfather knew how to scream, really? That's what you think I was trying to do, get a portion in heaven? That's why I put myself in... It had nothing to do with heaven. I was asking myself, what does God want from me now? And God wanted me to go to find five Jewish kids and teach them the olive base and teach them a page of Talmud. Because why are we in this world? What's the bigger picture? Not about me. Not at all. Not even my spiritual rewards. It's about what Hashem, what am I needed for? This is 101.5 FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Lidsville Show. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So who's at the center of our universe? That's really the question. And this alignment of taking our self, even our spiritual self, out of our center and putting our Hashem, God, at our center can have huge ramifications on the choices we make. For example, a person might be a studious type and wants to dedicate themselves for hours and hours every single day to study. And that's a very virtuous thing. And there's a stage in life that a person should because otherwise they have nothing to share with others. But then there comes a stage where they know enough to share with others and they have the maturity to be able to share with others without themselves downgrading themselves and you know necessarily losing their standards. And yet they're still choosing to sit and study all day and saying, I have nothing to really add or why should I spend my time with people who know less than me? Or why should I spend time with people who look different than me? Blah, blah, blah. I have to chase myself. But ultimately, who are we here to serve? Hashem. And there's a child of God who needs help, physical help, spiritual help. At what stage do you say, enough of taking care of myself, I have to help the other? Again, not at all cost. I'm not saying suddenly we have to drop everything of our own standards or our own religiosity, our own learning. Because if you drop everything, then you're, you're simply going to wither away very quickly. But at some stage, you know, once we've done with the minion, once we've set up a shear, two, three shear a day, at some stage you say, okay, now what? Now do I just watch somebody else struggle physically and just say, well, I've saved myself. Watch somebody craving to study some Torah, but hey, it's not my responsibility. But if you're serving Hashem, that's Hashem's child as much as you. So why does that... We're all responsible for one another. So what does it mean to lock ourselves up and just avoid it? How can that happen? When there's a there's a famous story, and it's, it's appropriate to share because tonight is the yard site of one of the great Hasidic sages. His name was Rabbi Dovber of Lubavitch. And he died almost 200 years ago. I think 193 years ago. So it's it's been a while. And... The story goes that while he was still young, young married individual, he had a child in a, in a cot, in a crib. And the baby falls out of the cot. And Rabbi Dovber was a very, very um, deep intellectual. In other words, he would really get lost in learning for hours on it. And the baby's crying and crying and crying, and he doesn't hear it. Meanwhile, his father, who was the, the author of Shulchan Ar Harav, the author of Tanya, Rabbi Shner Zalman of Liadi, um, he hears the baby crying and he comes downstairs. To the, he was living in a different story of the house. He comes, 
picks the baby out of the cot, puts the baby in the cot, calms the baby down, and then turns to his son and says, when a Jewish child is crying, when a child is crying, you close your book and you go to the child. Call Yelad Bocha. When a child is crying, you have to do what you take and, and, and dedicate yourself to it. And I believe I, I've heard it from a former colleague of mine that, who studied in the Gush Yeshiva, but the foundation principle of the Gush um, education of the, of the Rosh Yeshiva of Gush was this idea, call Yelad Bocha, child is crying. What do we do? Call Nar Bocha. Why? Because ultimately, it's not, we're not here to gain a bigger portion of heaven. That's not our goal. We're here to serve. So the question is not what do I want? It's Hashem, what do you want? Hashem, what do you want me to do about the fact that the assimilation rates are going up each and every day? Unfortunately, a larger and larger percent of Jews are feeling that there's no, that it's not important for them to have Jewish children. It's not important for them to, you know, uh, marry another Jew and raise a ch- child in a Jewish way. What am I doing about it? What am I doing about the fact that people are finding Judaism irrelevant to their lives, unattractive? Do I just say, okay, farfallen, it's lost? Or I say, one second, these are God's children. Do I see a world that seems to be totally losing, uh, many of them, losing a moral compass and say, ah, okay, billions of people, ah, it's not my family. Or, and this is something that Rabbi Sachs used to bring up very often all the time, or I say, one second, I'm here to be, I'm responsible, I'm here to be a light. I'm here to, to, to offer guidance, I'm here to share a message. I can't just see a world tearing itself apart and saying, hey, it's not my problem. That's not what we were put here for, regardless of how uncomfortable it is to go out there and have these conversations. But that's what we're here to do. We're not here for ourselves, even not only for our spiritual selves. Because true Messiah of Nefesh, true dedication means not only you give over your physical convenience, you sometimes give over your spiritual convenience. Obviously to an extent, nobody's saying that you know you lose everything. But you push yourself. You go into the gray and you push yourself. And you take guidance from people who are wiser and you go and do what the call of the hour is. Because that's what we're here to do, friends. We're not here for ourselves. And yes, we're all born selfish. And each and every one of us, even the most dedicated servant, most dedicated public servant has moments of selfishness. So that's what we are. We're, you know, we're human beings. But at least where's our guide? Where's our compass? Where's our direction? To ask ourselves one question. God, what do you want of me? What can I do to help facilitate your vision for this world? Where is my role to play? How can I do it in a way that gives you Hashem the ultimate nachas? That's what we're here to do. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtsin of Linksfield Shul. We'll be right back after this break. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsin on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtsin wrapping up the show here on 101.9 Chai FM. Thank you so much for being with us. Always feel free to contact. You could always contact Chai FM and send an email. It will always be forwarded. We can discuss it next week on the show. And want to wrap up with a song. 
is a magnificent song. It's just an optimistic song called Ototo. Here it's coming. It's a, a, a song of promise that, yes, as we've been speaking throughout the show, we're working towards a bigger goal. We're working towards a purpose. That is the, the coming of Mashiach, the time that God's going to be revealed within this world, the time when godliness is not longer going to be abstract, but it's going to be real, a time that God feels comfortable in this home. And sometimes it might look like we're getting further from that goal, but we're not. We're getting closer. Ototo. Here it is. This is Avram Fried singing Ototo, 101.9 Chai FM. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Chai FM. Thank you for the opportunity. Wishing you all a great week and an early Shabbat Shalom. God bless you. This is Rabbi Levi Yafsen of Linksfield Shul signing off.